This is the last week uh, coming on on Sunday. This is the last week of our two-week fundraiser to in order to purchase uh, pay off the mortgage of the this complex of buildings. Uh, actually, it's a couple of buildings in this case that are in the um, monastery complex. Help us do that. How would you do that? You might want to consider. Lots of places your money can go, lots of places that you can donate. This is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization, this uh, Sokukuji Buddhist community, which includes this monastery and uh, all of its buildings. This place is dedicated to uh, basic sanity, even though everyone here is crazy, <laughs> otherwise, why would they come here? So, but this is a place, uh, this is a, uh, a mandala or a, a central area that we are endeavoring to create a very safe, consistent, and protected space for. So, a few people out of thousands, millions, can come here who want to train their mind to see the truth inspired by the 2,500-year-old tradition of the Buddhist Dharma. You can help us do that. Reflect on that a little bit. Help us a little bit. Help us pay off this mortgage so this is a, a protected space um, because we'll own it. So might be a good idea for us to do that. We don't pay taxes on it because it's not for profit. I don't know what's the, what else to say about that, other than we need help in that area. Well, this does not earn any money. It's a spiritual path, not a mundane path of profit. And then thank you to all of you who have already given literally thousands and thousands of dollars. Some people have given thousands themselves, special. Um, especially the people who need money for uh, matching funds. So if you give $1,000, if you can, it's going to be matched with $1,000 that is waiting in the wings to join hands and uh, go towards the, the uh, mortgage. Uh, as I said before, think about it. Lots of places that you can uh, support. This is a pretty good one. Thank you. Thanks to all of you who have already helped us. And welcome, welcome, pardon my stuttering. As I said a few moments ago in that, when I was asking for help, which I only started doing recently, not an easy thing to do to ask, even though Buddhists have been begging for centuries, our culture doesn't isn't supported too well that way. You're looked upon as someone with a cardboard sign, which might not be a bad thing to do. Topic of this evening's Dharma talk is something I've talked about before, and I'll talk about again tonight, because you probably didn't hear me the first time, or you heard what you thought I said instead of what I said, which happens quite often, not only in this situation, but in lots of situations. 
we are always projecting out onto something what something is. And if that whatever something begins to communicate to us, we hear what we think is going on based on our prejudice. If you think you're not prejudiced, the very nature of prejudice is to think you're not prejudiced. Pay attention to what is coming through the door, down the street, picking and choosing. Works well in the mundane path of success and failure, right and wrong, up and down, black and white, night and day, life and death. And the spiritual path works a little bit. The provisional teachings are all about <coughs> that. Improving a little bit, getting to the cushion a little bit more, understanding a little bit more of what Dogen was saying, understanding a little bit more what the Buddha was saying, what any of the lineage holders were saying. But wanting this, not wanting that, not picking this and letting that go by the wayside is uh, particularly, not particularly important, uh, not particularly helpful on the spiritual path. What if you can't pick and choose or decide, should I go here or there, or should I? Do this if 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 uh, on. If you're saying you can't do that, what the hell am I supposed to do then? And I would say, just look at it, just receive, and then that thing that will happen to the picking and choosing, which is based on hope and fear, right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, making money or losing money, looking good or not looking so good, being embarrassed or being proud. will be replaced by, I'll say it very bluntly, dependent origination. It will be, it will be replaced by seeing yourself. You actually will see. I can't guarantee it, because that would be, it wouldn't be appropriate to do that, guarantee anything. I don't know what's going to happen to you. You might blow up. Might be the best thing that ever happened to you. Explode right out in place. The Vajra-like Samadhi will crack your skull open. You better hope the Vajra-like Samadhi doesn't happen to you. Yeah, why not? Go ahead. Blow up. What am I saying? That the, cho the, the, the absence of choice becomes choiceless. So you see that there there isn't anything with this, and it, something may appear as this or that, or should I or shouldn't I, but if you don't do anything with it, which if you get a little bit of clarity around your insanity, then you'll know what to do. It won't be a, don't make choices about it. You might mistake in that for arrogance initially, especially in someone else. If you meet someone who does not no longer makes choices, this could be very, very intimidating. It's very intimidating to meet someone who is not confused in the way you are. But since they may be confused or may appear confused, if they're a Dharma teacher, they are probably mirroring you because that's, they don't know what else to do. It's not that they don't know what else to do. 
it means that they they mirror everything because they're not separate from anything so if your neurosis comes up stands in front of them then they meet that neurosis where it's at isn't that right takodo right we're speaking in tibetan so the idea is you're just walking down the path of life and uh, the fork in the road and one goes this way one goes that way to put a very simple a simple image and you you come up to it you don't do anything you just look at it you don't have to pick and choose the the situation itself will pick and choose if necessary at all you might just make camp good place to pitch a tent or you might look at it and you might you might understand something about the nature of this path this this path might go slightly uphill the other one might go slightly down one one area might be might be more sunlight coming through the trees and the other one less and depending on all the all the causes and conditions that are showing up in your mind stream and in your life stream and in what you're even doing on that path uh, maybe better to have more light on the path or maybe better to have less light maybe better to have that path slightly narrowing or the other or slightly opening up just using this as an example you could actually look at that you could receive what is in front of you rather than re receive uh some kind of uh something where you feel like you, ha you have to come to a decision you feel pressured to make a decision because something is pursuing you open fear hope for something better fear of something worse picking and choosing what what sutra is that there it says picking and choosing is the disease of the mind can anybody quote that the sense mind. is that the sense in me the heart mind of so song what's heart mind what does that mean it's mind but it's heart or it's heart mind or it's heart but it's mind and why would it be a, a dis-ease because it's a it's a created a dilemma fear fear like I said earlier in the I was first asking for help for this uh, mandala that where we are trying to become completely sane no more warfare forever with anyone no fear and even if fear shows up that's the amazing thing why and it's so difficult to explain that when I say it's difficult because you see it but how do you tell someone that they can be completely terrified and afraid and yet don't they don't mind because there's no one home anymore it's like living in an empty house means that not even you're not even there so you don't mind you don't mind being you don't mind anything this doesn't mean that my back isn't killing me of course it is but do I mind actually not would I like it to go away yes there's no demand does it make me some kind of a hero everybody has some kind of ache some aches or pains somewhere some physical difficulty more than likely if you're over the age of 20 something is going haywire I remember when I jumped out of bed once when I was probably about 11 and I had a my Achilles tendon there was a cramp in it <laughs> and I tried to walk across the room and I had to kind of limp and I 
I immediately started thinking of old age. <laughs> Here I am, uh, 10 or 11. <laughs> but I asked my mother about it. I was right. She says, oh, that's just growing pains. And I thought, I remember thinking it's odd that it would be painful to grow. But that's probably what it was, growing pains. So that's that particular topic that we uh, we have titled this, or that actually Jews on. Uh, I asked him at the, just three minutes before I walked in here, what should I talk about? He said, picking and choosing. I said, good, I'll, do, I'll talk about that. <clears throat> Hard to find something in the last 10, 15 years I haven't talked about. So let me have some questions and we'll do this together. You ask me questions about what, the, what I've just been saying and maybe coming from your direction, you will ask me questions that'll take us deeper into this based on your own life experience, based on your own practice, how, how it looks to you, each person here, each person on Zoom has a specific uh, and, and different uh, understanding, different understanding a different uh, uh, reception of what is happening. So let's do it together. Questions? Sir? What's the fear in picking and choosing? Fear, uh, fundamentally, it's a fear of annihilation. The fear that you don't exist, that you're going to find out that you are nobody and you're coming to, your consciousness is coming to an end. Your separation, your singularity as a person is basically ego. The narcissism in the mind stream described quite uh, clearly in the seventh consciousness of the Yogacara tradition. Those four aspects of self-love, uh, self-reference. Uh, um, what are the other two? Come on, you guys. Go ahead. <laughs> Go on. Confusion of self. Confusion of self. Self-regard, self-pride, and self-love. Pretty good. It's just a different, there are probably even more if you wanted to look at it. Uh, but it's, it's just a, a self, uh, consciousness has rolled up in some area of the conscious, not, not, not the entire situation. It's kind of coiled up into a ball. Trunk worm, but they would call that a cocoon in the Shambhala tradition, cocooning. Willem Kakuni, have you heard that? Great painter. So coiled up into a ball to, to protect something that is, is, doesn't even need protection. It's unreal. So it's called paranoia about other paranoia about anything. Anytime you pull your finger out of the holster and aim it at somebody else and blame, this is the very nature of the seventh. Even if they actually did something. Even if they stole your lawnmower, even if they insulted you, no matter what they did, to do that is the very nature of passion, aggression, ignorance. Ignorance of what you're pointing at, aggression of the tip of that finger pointing might as well be a AK-47. Of course not at that extreme, but it can develop into that. And then the passion part of those three 
is all the entanglements that show up as reasons why it's okay for you to do that and, and, and why they're not really paying attention and they don't really, they aren't functioning in a way that is receptive to who you are and what you're doing. They just don't understand. They're interfering with your life and your, your, uh, your uh, sovereignty as a, as a separate human being. This is why we have the Bodhisattva path. That's why this was came came up a couple thousand years ago, at least, maybe more, and definitely in the form of the Buddha, an enlightening being, and then a, a Buddha. So sitting practice of meditation, returning to the teacher, the teaching, the community, the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, over and over again just kind of changes your, your interferes with the conditioning of samsara uh, or getting advantage, getting ahead, making something of yourself. Not that you shouldn't make a living or study languages or study music or study geometry or trigonometry or history anything. Of course you should, but also it might be good to have some kind of basic, basic stability, basic sanity. You may not attain awakening, uh, the complete awakening of a Buddha, but you, you may stop making yourself miserable and making other people miserable by downloading, offloading, shoving, and spraying others with your own neurosis in order to get rid of it. Anytime you blame, you're, get ready, you're endeavoring to get rid of how you feel. When I say anytime, I don't know, there may be an exception there. Why don't you tell me about it? You know about it? You think there's an exception? This is about receiving the generosity of giving everything, your attention, and the clarity to see what that is. And it takes time. It won't happen in 13 days, 84 days. It may not happen in 10 or 20 years. You might have to practice longer than that. Do it anyway. Further? Jeez, I'm not... If the fork shows up and the fear doesn't, is it just more confusion to, to look for fear, to go to fear? No, I wouldn't do that. Don't don't go to fear. It's it's a... It's a we don't have to strategize around, strategize around dependent origination and try to get that to happen. No, just look at the fork. Look at the division there. Look at the division. And if you just look and just receive whatever it is, the, the differentiation between the two cannot last. It will not hold up very long. One will start to fade and one will start to get brighter and to the point where you just go that other way. You don't make a choice. It will, it will tell you, dependent origination will tell you what to do. If you decide ahead of time, uh, not that you can't, not that you shouldn't, go ahead and decide based on feeling better, based on getting somewhere, based on, based on, based on. She is on bowing. Yes, sir. The word disease is used in that, and I was wondering in what sense is there an antidote or in what, in what sense is there a cure to picking and choosing, bowing. So the word disease, or broken down a little bit more, is dis-ease. 
we're not at ease. We're not, we're not comfortable. We're right in the midst of uh, suffering and anguish or trepidation or anxiety, disease. It's painful. And the cure for that is to look at, look at it right in the face. And that may be difficult to do casually at the kitchen table or with your head in your hands uh, or in, in any other way, contemplating that or uh, churning up thoughts about an analysis and judgments. And, mm-hmm, uh, okay, and maybe perhaps this could be true, or maybe, you know, maybe I should give this more of a chance and all that malarkey. Fancy word for it. This doesn't mean that you or any of us shouldn't perhaps uh, talk to a counselor, talk to someone who has been trained in working with those uh, things that are happening in mind. I'm not, my teacher, Trungpa FJ was not particularly uh, promoting any of that. Interestingly enough, though, uh, Naropa Institute, which, he, which is now Naropa Uni- University, actually has a, a Buddhist psychology department. I think he was just trying to get those people that were listening to him to just train their minds and not go figure things out. So there are different levels of understanding there. And so you may have to do it lots of different ways. But the way we do this is look at the disease, look at the discomfort, receive whatever happens in the mind stream as a direct instruction about the nature of reality. This, uh, this is what the Buddha did. This is what the other teachers down through the centuries, Bodhidharma and our lineage, uh, uh, stared at a wall, looked at a wall, observed a wall for nine years. And I think, I don't think he did it 24 seven. I think he probably had lunch and uh, took a few breaks here and there. It just meant that he was spent a lot of time looking at the wall. It's another way of describing Shikantaza. And uh, also, the, there's the, uh, the, the, the uh, story that he, or legend, that he cut out, his, cut out his eyelids or something like that, which, of course, is you have to look at that for what it is. Of course, he didn't do that. It just means he kept his eyes open. But that's a really strong way of teaching that. Keep your eyes open. So, because a very strong temptation to shut the eyes and create some kind of artificial state of samadhi or non-duality or what have you, or tranquility or resting in this or that. I'm not against that. If you need to do that, go do it. It's a fork in the road and you'll know you're going to take the high road or the low road. And uh, when they're all, uh, they're all leading to the Buddha, it's one way or another. Some people just need to chant nam myoho renge kyo. Why? I don't know. But do that. That's better than uh, playing the ponies, I would say. It lacks enough intention that makes it pretty strong mantra. Muzuku. Muzuku Bani. If you're looking at a situation and it looks like a choice, but you are just waiting to see how that develops. And that, all that chatter, the explanation of this or that, it seems like that chatter gets in the, does that chatter get in the way of us seeing the situation? It does not. But don't, don't cave to the chatter. Just observe it. 
It's just like, you know, monkeys on typewriters. Not going to happen. They're not going to type the, the preamble to the Constitution. So just, just, just watch the chatter. Eventually, since you're not buying it, not selling it, not ignoring it, passion, aggression, ignorance, eventually it dies down. It's just uncomfortable to hear all that crap coming out of an ancient past. Just observe. You can do it. All you really have to do is hold your body still and be an observer, be a passenger on the train, be, uh, be in the front, front row of the theater of your mind. Just observe. Might not be particularly entertaining, but you're slowly training your mind to just receive. That's a, all the words I could use right now would be that one. More? Shoto bowing. When things are choiceless, is there still a leading edge or an appearance of the fork in the road? Bowing. You want to know? I heard you, but the whole thing isn't there. What do you want to know? Shoto bowing. Do you still see this or that? Yes. It's unreal. What is real? I know. Yes, I, if you're asking if I still see that this might look like the best direction to go based on a bunch of ideas or conclusions or judgments or evaluations that are, uh, that are, uh, that are following you around like uh, raccoons. Of course, they don't follow you around, but you know what I mean. Following you around like hungry kitties. Recognize that one? <laughs> just, just observe that. But there may come a time, there may come a, a moment in that situation where you just need to do this. It, it might just come out of some other area that's not really, not really the uh, ideas and conclusions that are arising. It's not really, you don't really do it out of what is showing up, the irregularity of the, the demand or the request or the picking and choosing uh, emotions that come up. I need to do this. I should I really I need to do something. Listen to it, but don't obey. Don't do what you're told. Not a good idea. Yes, sir. Happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> uh -huh. Happy birthday to Sokaran too. I see her. She's down here at the bottom of the thing without any picture because she's probably busy. You're not busy, so ask me a question. How does picking and choosing um, relate to intention? Yeah. Well, picking and choosing has a has a goal or a direction or a motivation or a, a something there that you you can grasp onto or believe in or all of that. Whereas the intention does the intention to, for instance, the intention to realize your true nature, the intention to to see basic sanity, the intention to, uh, in your case, you've received uh, Jukai, the intention to fulfill the vow to save all beings. How the hell do you do that? It's just about impossible to figure it out, understand it, think about it. It's just, how do you do that? Doesn't seem to be anyhow, but the important thing is the in, to intend to intend to see that. 
to return to, the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, over and over and over, return to the wall, gaze at the wall, observe what arises in the mind stream when you're sitting down holding still and doing nothing but looking at a wall. More? Do we lean on intention to help us pick and choose or going? No. Don't lean on anything. The only, the, good, the only thing about picking and choosing, it will keep you from falling over backwards because you're intending. It has a forward quality to it. It won't necessarily be a movement until it becomes that. It'll just, it'll just, it's just going to do that no matter what. No matter what. Are you saying that if you are operating out of intention, then the picking and choosing is sort of irrelevant, really? Yup. I don't have to pronounce it irrelevant. But you can pronounce it. Irreverent? Irreverent. Don't you buy? If there's pressure to pick and choose, can we stay open somehow? Uh, pressure being a situational, you're going to have pressures like that. You need to, you know, time's almost up. Only so much time to decide what to do. That's what you're referring to, I suppose. By it. it could be a person, it could be your your parents, or it could be a partnership or something where you got to decide, am I going to do here, go there, do this or do that? So I think it's possible. It might not feel particularly comfortable because you do have those pressures, but um, you're not necessarily agreeing with those, but you're not ignoring them or taking your eyes off from, the, off from them, but you're including those too. They're, they're a part of it. It's not like, oh, now that all this, I have all this pressure here, damn it all, I wanted to not pick and choose, but these assholes will come along and put pressure on me. Now I got to pick and choose. Follow me? That's good enough. Probably doing a lot of a lot better than a lot of people. Kind of, kind of following me is better than not following at all. When I say following, just get get kind of an idea of what I'm talking about, or what I'm endeavoring to point out. Not easy to do that. Not easy to understand it. Don't you mm -hmm. Lately, there's uh, I'm having difficulty committing to a decision. Um, feels like there's a fear of not wanting to lock myself into something that might change. Is there... It's not too bad. Probably will change, but if it changed to some situation where wouldn't have to do anything at all. You were starting to say, I interrupted you, what was the rest of your sentence? Just wondering how to work with that. Just receive it. Just look at it. 
It's going to take all kinds of shapes and probably shapes that you've never seen before. Just do the best you can to receive it. Give it, give it the benefit of the doubt if, if for as long as you can until you have to do something about it. And that can be just a deadline. You have to decide this by 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon or it will, the decision will be made for you. You will not be able to do that. You won't be able to pick and choose it because that's what's going to happen. So just keep that in mind. You may go another direction. Strong sitting practice, strong awareness practice won't do it for you, but it, it will, and it won't be more comfortable, but it will get you close to understanding what you need to do and what you don't need to do. Well, Thank you. Um, in that kind of situation where you've got a deadline and if you don't make a decision, you know, some door will close or open or whatever. Are we just, if we're not picking and choosing, are we just waiting to find out what we end up doing? I like that. Yeah, we're waiting to find out what you end up doing. Yes. Find out what you end up doing. I think there's a talk title here somewhere. <laughs> Really, I'm, it's a little silly, but it's like if you don't do anything, you, you, you don't push the whole issue, you will head in a particular direction. It may, it may not be uh, initially, it may not look all that right or successful, but it's a, you are, we are, we all are living in a very, very immeasurable big picture without it's, it's incredibly huge compared to our little mind stream that's operating out of what should i do next what should i do with my job or my relationship or my diet or me 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 so we're tightened down in that so we really we could un uh, include the whole cloud the whole cloud of what is this? What what is happening? That kind of openness and that kind of understanding, and you may find that you might not even you might feel like well, I can't really make a decision, and then it will be made for you, or maybe nothing will happen, or maybe you'll find out what you end up doing. Yes. What about, um, I was on a very similar track, uh, with, what is choicelessness? Is it dependent origination when, whenever the... The way, it can show up different ways in your path, and your practice. You can, you can look back over your life and you can kind of see that certain things that you did, you thought were de decisions, were actually choiceless. You couldn't help but do that. And there were other things that you did that you might feel that you could have gone another direction and maybe you should have or something like that. Oh, quite often just based on success and failure, right and wrong, amount of money in the bank, and the success of your love affairs or whatever it may be. So, but freedom is choiceless. Freedom, liberation from the death grip or life grip of, your, of the three poisons that has you, has all of us to some extent, uh, to, to see what that is, it just comes apart. The self, 
the imaginary self, or you call it, but just it just starts to collapse, and the only thing that's left is paratantra or dependent origination, and you realize the consciousness is still there. There's still awareness, but there's no individual anymore, and it it, it may not look any different uh, to uh, to anyone else. It may be probably would be quite a bit different to you, but there's nothing you can say about it. You, you can't even say to someone, um, I don't think I'm a me anymore. And the other person might say, how nice for you. They're not going to understand that. Uh, so, or you might say, I can't seem to find, or find out where I'm at anymore. I have no, I no longer have a location in time or space and it won't be an event you realize you've never had that you've never been somebody and at that time it's you live in dependent origination you, you don't make decisions someone might see you uh, deciding to buy a uh, one kind of uh, uh, car or something uh, rather, than another, rather than another kind, but there won't be a, an actual choice being made there. They might see you deciding to go on vacation with someone or not. I don't really have a lot of examples for that because it's they just, it doesn't show up as examples. It shows up in, in one's mind stream more as there isn't, any, there isn't anything to do but whatever's next. The, the, the picking and choosing has gone. It will still show up that way to people you're talking to, uh, to interacting. It'll still look like you're just, just as much making, making decisions as they are. If we're waiting to find out what we're going to be doing and something that we aren't doing tags along, do we need to, will that just show up as another waiting till we find out we're going to do that? Just observe. Just keep it as simple as possible. Don't vote. Don't get on any, get on any band bandwagon. Don't root for anybody or anything. Just observe. Just receive whatever's happening. You might know, notice that something kind of shows up. Um, I would that I could give, a, a, give you a firm example. If I could, I would, and perhaps I will before this uh, particular talk is over with. Because I, I think it would be important, maybe important to come up with something there. <coughs> But it's so easy to misunderstand what I would be what I would be saying. It would sound like I don't care what happens. And that that might work sometimes, but if I'm talking about something that I would like, for instance, the fundraiser. You know, that maybe that is a good one to go with. Maybe not so good, and, and probably Susan Hirschfeld will give me a proper scolding for saying this. But I don't care what happens. That's why I can stand up and ask. I don't, I don't have an agenda around it. That doesn't mean I don't think. 
doesn't mean that I don't want to protect this mandala. doesn't mean that I don't have relative ideas about this. Wanting to protect this space so people can come here and train their minds. This is not a cult. In a cult, they won't let you leave. And they will get you to commit to certain things. That's not happening here. But, but there's no... There's no... I don't know how, to, how else to say it other than that. That happens as an intention, uh, not as looking to make sure it worked. I have enough people around me that are looking at that. I don't have to do that. And you don't either. How does the teacher function as a mirror? Uh, intermittently and situationally. Sometimes there's nothing happening there, and sometimes you show up a certain way. If you're a student of the teacher, and they mirror back to you, they just look, they look just like you. You you see it, you don't realize, you not you don't see it, but they look just like you. They're showing you what's happening in your mind by mirroring you, and sometimes that is. But but if that mirroring isn't received as a mirror, as a teaching, and you just think, well. The hell's he doing that for? Then, you know, go ahead and continue to spin around in samsara, waiting for the teacher to appear again three lifetimes from now. That's why I say, receive it, receive it. I know it's difficult. I know it's painful. I know it's uncomfortable. I had two great teachers. Both both, Both of them looked at me and mirrored what they saw. And I was apparently able to receive that as a teaching. But it took a while. I was not able to do it right away. At first, it was just confusing and irritating to me, especially with Coben. What is it that's being mirrored? (coughs) Your insanity. We can say that about anybody. Your craziness, your your fixation on something that you think is true. That's what's being mirrored back. But if there's no one there, then there's no one in the mirror. Empty mirror. Empty mirror. Empty. Don't see anything. Nothing will be mirrored back. More? Jeez, in mind, what does that look like? Empty mirror? Doesn't look like anything. Nothing happens. And it's not some kind of fancy, I think I'm looking at shunyata. There's no feeling, no emotion to it. It's just empty. If rooting for one outcome shows up, is the best we can do just observe that? Yes. Good one. Yes, just observe. Anything you just observe has its own time frame or, or space frame. It will be there conditionally for a while, but it won't last. If it, if it's pushed on or pulled on aggression and passion or ignored, it will tend to persist and look like it's ongoing over and over. It looks like it's probably not going to go away. I mean, it will, everything wears out. Dependent origination. But if you don't do anything with it, then it's, then its own dynamic uh, will take it down, will not last.
How do we receive the mirror if all we see is a projection of what you are? You're looking in the right direction, just continue to look. A question from Jethro in the UK. When picking and choosing has gone, but decisions are still apparently happening, is this anything like Wu Wei or effortless action in Taoism? Taoism tends to get a little bit fancy. Uh, Lao Tzu and Chuang Tzu both, it's beautiful writing and poetry and so on. It's, it's very inspiring to read that. It gets a little bit romantic in that area. The, uh, the, the Buddha's Dharma, as, as, as it is being pointed out by those who have realized what this is, is not quite as fancy as that. So I wouldn't disagree with what, what's being said there, but it's very easy to get on that romantic sidetrack. Dubai, I wanted to go back on uh, uh, if choicelessness is dependent origination, is picking and choosing dependent origination? Everything is dependent on origination. So then when we're waiting for the, the big way to, to become clear, like we're waiting, like uh, you were talking about earlier, uh, mm -hmm. you know, what, what, be interested in whatever shows up. Yeah. How is that different than picking or choosing? Probably not any different. Make you want to figure it out. Just observe. Sure, bowing. Um, I think in one of your interactions with Trungpa Rinpoche that you have shared is that you went in there and just unloaded how much of a difficult time you were having and he was really encouraging and said, you can do it, you can do this. How was that being a mere bowing? He was, he was basically mirroring uh, the path for me. He was showing me the path that was already in me. He didn't need to mirror my insanity. I was already having enough difficulty with that, so he didn't need to. If I had been ignoring that, then he might have uh, treated me more like Coben did. When, when I met Coben, I was, thought I was doing pretty good, and I thought I was pretty advanced. I was not. Go ahead. So does the teacher mirror what we're ignoring? Probably. It's more, it's very situational. I was ignoring the path. And I've been reading about it for a dozen years. I didn't tell him how much I studied it. All that I was telling about basically was uh, the difficulty I was having. Being crazy, being having difficult emotions, conflicting emotions about everything. And I thought he would be telling me some things I could do to not have conflicting emotions. But he didn't tell me that. It's like he said, no, go back in there and have conflicting emotions. That's how it felt when I left there. And, and that's what I needed to do. I just needed to return to the cushion. 
returned to study. You could see that I was already doing what I needed to do, that I was just complaining about this, how steep the mountain was. Thinking it should not be that steep. Any questions on Zoom? Chisho. Chisho Bawing, this afternoon also you mentioned, and you mentioned it now as well, about Coben's teaching uh, by not uh, interacting with you. Uh, how, you said you contemplated on it. How did you contemplate on it? Did you take it to your sitting practice, Bawing? I, I probably took it everywhere. I even talked to Takado about it, and I talked to Sho, uh, Shoho, uh, Mike, about it, and trying to find out, is, why am I being treated this way? Wow. I mean, I was really pretty miserable about it, because I, but I stepped into it with, with really strong confusion about my own dynamic, who I was, what I needed and what I didn't need, and my own confusion. That, and he basically showed me that I was he, I was covering up my own neurosis, and that was just difficult. So I would I would turn into silly as it may sound. I, I even thought, well, maybe um, maybe he thinks I'm enlightened and I no longer need to receive dukai. As silly as that may may sound, but he certainly <laughs> did, wasn't thinking that. So I, I went to different ways trying to find a reason he would not, he would just com completely avoid me or when I would call him, he would say, well, I have something else to do. Now, you know, it's very possible uh, to show he did have something else to do. I might just be taking everything so personally. There's a possibility that he wasn't trying to teach me anything. He was just functioning as Coben. And if you heard much about Coben, uh, he was a, uh, he was a cloud phoenix. Uh, he, he, nobody could locate him. He was all over the place. He was un, un uh, um, he was unreachable in so many ways. Uh, he was an astonishing teacher, and he was a uh, he, he was like a, if you hugged him, he was like a feather. But if uh, if he began to teach you, he was like a sword. I was very lucky to have met him. Uh, as you're contemplating uh, his teaching, so to say, did choices show up for you? And what did you do with those choices, Bari? I I didn't do much. Um, I would um, I did some. I would think about that, and then I would try to just forget about. Uh, I had asked Coben for uh, precepts, and and he didn't say no. He just corrected me, as you know. I've told that story many times. It was very simple. It was, it was maybe to anyone else, it was wouldn't have been anything. They would have just said, "Well, okay, well, I'll observe the precepts and then can be persistent." But it, but I would. I am uh, so full of myself that that I'm really sensitive to someone rejecting me or correcting me. I'm still sensitive to that. that uh, nothing changes. I don't know how to tell how to say that other than nothing changes. It's just that you see that the self that gets offended is unreal. That doesn't mean you won't still feel like crap or feel offended, but you, you just don't you don't necessarily believe it. You don't add on your imprimatur. You don't add on your belief in it. 
So therefore, it could still be painful. It's unlikely that it'll have much uh, sway in your life, but maybe some still dependently risen, still dependently, uh, still uh, um, not a separate occurrence. It's dependent on so many things that are untraceable, unsearchable, and have no consistent uh, source anywhere. So I, I sometimes say it's better than it's better than you think. You're liberated, and it's worse than you think. The suffering is still there, and sometimes more intense because it's your it's your it's your job. You receive the bodhisattva vow. It's your job to receive this, to be, to receive the suffering, receive the difficulty, receive the happiness, receive the frustration, receive, receive everybody's pain and suffering. You can't really take it away from them, but you can change your attitude towards everyone and receive it. Practice on, uh, practice on the teacher. Receive the teacher. Not that I need it. I don't need anything. Even though earlier in the as it is meditation today at uh, 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, I said, I need you. So then you need me. But that's a little bit different than, than the kind of grasping need where I need to have a bunch of students. It's just the mutuality of the whole thing. Further questions? Jalen Browning. Yes. Um, is uh, picking and choosing the same as being picked or being chosen? There, there could be some uh, uh, sinistry happen, happening there, but it's not the same thing. Someone is, wants you to do this and chooses you for something. A little bit of that, but mainly it's, uh, it's what's being addressed is is that we um, try to get some particular thing to happen, some kind of materialism or wanting an outcome, picking something because it's better than something else. And quite often, if you get that close to it, you may still pick something or you may still decide to do this and not do that, but it may be more obvious, like, well, you have to do that. It's choiceless. Maybe a little bit of evaluation in there, but might not be much. The divine, if a fork in the road involves or seems to involve like an impact on our ability to practice around the path, um, are we presumptuous to think we know what's best for in that area? It could be. Could slow it down a little bit and look look. Look around more to all of the things that are happening in that area. So, like, know what's best is sounds kind of fish. Sounds kind of fishy. Like, there's a lot of analysis and judgment going on, and the judgment might be based on um, uh, prejudice rather than actual insight into an into a situation. Prejudice mean predetermining what something is or isn't. Could be so go slow, look closely, 
We'll take a final question if there is one. Yes, How is the apparent arrogance of someone who isn't making decisions different from actual arrogance? The actual arrogance is is a, a solid belief that they're you're somebody and you're right as opposed to somebody else being uh, incorrect. You're just and you're sure of it based on whatever logic or reason or what something's done, what someone has done. You just believe that. You see it clearly and they don't. So that, that kind of arrogance. We meet people who are uh, operating like that quite often in different areas. In your workplace, probably meet that. We all meet that. You can even people who are practicing still might have that kind of, of puffiness puffed up. But someone who is uh, who appears arrogant, who is uh, is realized, is that what you're talking about? Um, that appearance is your projection. If a person is, is realized, in other words, they're they're not. There's no solid self-centeredness there anymore, and they seem to make very definite, direct uh, decisions on something. Maybe there's some confusion about what's going on. The way you would see it in the monastery is a little confusion about whether we should do this or do that, and the uh, and this person would say, this is what we're doing. That might seem arrogant to you. Like, um, I don't know, a good example would be buying Karma House. And you have some doubts about that? Were you here then? Well, that's why you didn't have doubts. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you. But there was a fair amount of doubts around that by people that I really trust and love and care about. Or students of mine, they're still students, I think so, aren't they? But they were, were, but I didn't let them into, in that situation, situational. So uh, instead of saying, why would you do that? Why would you, uh, and, and what is your plan? And what is your business plan? What, yeah. You guys want to do business plans? I'm not going to stand in your way, but I'm not going to do them. Okay, you're right. It's because I don't know how. <laughs> but it just look. What I'm looking at might not might be not that I have some kind of profound insight into everything. But it just shows up how to do how that should be. How, it just looked right. I don't know what else to say. And I, and I didn't see any point in checking with anybody when I'm looking at. I'm looking at it, what needs to happen. We need to buy that, and we did buy it. We don't, it isn't a big success story, but it's not doing too bad considering our the view and the vision to make this place a really strong mandala so people can come from wherever to practice if they really want to have a strong practice. This is a good place to have it. Dedicate your life to this for a month, three months, six months, a year, rest of your life. You decide that. It'll be choiceless. Anything else about that? The final word I would say about it, it's unconditional or confidence because it's not based on conditions. It's, 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 it goes beyond conditions. If it's, if it's conditional, then we're right back to the evaluating real estate or something or, or having a business plan.
not against those. If somebody wants to have a business plan, go ahead. We'll have one. Good area for questions if you have them, especially with the kind of thinking process that you are equipped with. I would like those kind of questions as much as possible. Because to dig together, you're asking and I respond, that, that, that helps us all get more insight into how this all can operate in a way to fundamentally support people's basic sanity. That's what I'm interested in. For as long as I have left, that's what I'm interested in. Not your money, not your not controlling you. Just come in here and train your mind. Yes, sir. Neil Kabine, what will draw people to this mandala? Damn if I know. Have any idea? Is confidence before seeing what this is arrogance? You mean relative confidence? It's a little bit of it, but not. It's not a terrible thing. It's that's the way the world functions on on um, a kind of materialism, on seeing what things are and deciding on what to invest in and things like that. And that's a relative way. We're not. Gonna, we are not going. I'm not encouraging anyone to get rid of that particular way of functioning. If it looks like arrogance is showing up in someone else, do I just observe that? Always observe as much as you can without jumping in for as long as you can. Just observe. Unless Google, Google says otherwise. They won't have any idea what I'm saying. <laughs> Will they? One final question from anybody? Talk about do you have any curiosity about anything? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's my boy. <laughs> okay, here we go. Hi, this is Chiazan, the prior at Sokokoji Buddhist Monastery. Sokazan offers these talks without expecting anything in return. If you value these talks and would like them to continue, please visit our donate page at www.sokukoji.org. Thank you.